Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. See, I feel like that's deceptive because they might not be back. Oh, this might be their first time. We could have a first time visitor. I did not first even time think visitor. of that. Yes, first please, time guest. Please fill out the connection card and leave it at the connect booth. And this is Obscure Gummy. Whether you're listening Obscure for the Gami, first time, a podcast about the decline of the American church. Is that what this podcast is about? No, it's not about that. It's actually about, it's a uh, pointlessly educational podcast, a journal of obscure things. In uh, audio. In audio form, yeah. It's not a written journal. That would be weird if somebody transcribed our show. That would be weird. It probably wouldn't, um, it probably wouldn't read very well. It wouldn't be enjoyable for anyone. All right, well, we should probably get into what this show is all about, which is talking about an obscure topic. I have one that I'm kind of excited to talk about. We'll see how interesting I can make it. Um, but uh, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about hotel amenities. and That's the thing that excites me very much. More specifically, the two, maybe three, the, the data is vague. Um, but, you know, we're basing this most off of oral histories and a few written accounts of the hotel amenities wars. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, we all know about the hotel amenities wars, so we'll be diving into that a little bit as a yes, topic. Yes, a, a well-known, obscure topic. Yeah. What, when, when, you, <laughs> when you think of a hotel amenity, what, what, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? Well, the first thing that pops into my mind is mouthwash, because I went to a hotel that provided me with mouthwash. Oh, yeah. Which is very unusual. That I've is never unusual. been provided with mouthwash before and so i was very touched by this this gift that the hotel had given me that's but generally i think of other things right um that's toilet paper tangent Uh, that is true that is somewhat of an amenity um it's in thinking about this it it was interesting to think about a lot of the things that are actually amenities that we Mm -hmm. no longer consider amenities just because they've been around for so long as amenities such as tv right toilet paper being another paper yeah um but interestingly related to the mouthwash thing the whole the whole thing that led me down this path to begin with was an article about why there isn't toothpaste as an amenity Mm. Um, because that just seems like something that would probably be more useful than a lot of the amenities that we Mm -hmm. do have but for whatever reason the hotel amenities gods have deemed that toothpaste is not one of them. But we might get into why that is, such as we know. Let's um, dive in. Let's dive in. So hotel amenities are a big, big uh, budget, big deal. In 1987, Hilton Head was spending like $250,000 a night, a night? On shower caps. A night. Yeah, across their, across not their, at a across hotel, their obviously, yeah, but across their network. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, an incredible amount of money. So um, the the most recent hotel amenities war was one that kind of started in 1999, roughly, and maybe continued around 2005. Mm-hmm. Although, based on my reading, it seems like uh, the hotel amenities wars are more like the uh, Iraq war than they are like the world wars and that they're more of these ongoing 
uh, drawn out conflicts uh-huh. um, and less with lots of, of insurgency, and, right? And less of these, uh, you know, fiercely fought. Uh, you know, yeah, tell me more of what you mean when you say okay. So, so in 1999, Starwood's Westin chain of hotels uh, kind of kicked things up a notch. Uh, so there's these times where hotel amenities kind of plateau and there's not much innovation or change. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of an accepted norm. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden somebody will try to bust through the 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 norms and stand out. Um, by providing something. By extra. providing something. So in 1999, it was um, the Heavenly Bed, uh, which was a white-on-white bedding package by Simmons with a pillow-top mattress that had 900 coils, three Mm -hmm. sheets ranging in thread count from 180 to 250, and a down blanket in three thicknesses, depending on the climate. Uh, And so this was a clear step forward from the sort of floral polyester bedspreads that had been common in a lot of these places. Mm -hmm. And just making that one change, their cleanliness score went up going to white bedspreads even hmm. though they didn't change any, have any policy changes or cleaning changes, mm-hmm. just changing the visuals. Right. Um, well, white, it's easier to see dirt. Right. They've since expanded their heavenly uh, bed uh, linens to include shower heads, bathrobes, and pet bedding, and all of these things the customer can buy and take home with them, um, which generated them... $4.3 million in 2003. Wow. So that's a, a big industry in and of itself, just people buying amenities, which I didn't really realize was a thing. Wow. Um, so that kind of started things off. Hyatt fired back uh, with a posturepedic grand bed with some down blankets and 250 triple thread count uh, sheeting. Marriott spent $190 million to upgrade their beds uh, and they had um, king size beds with 300 thread count sheets. So, you know, mm-hmm. you got to get in there. They, they got the highest thread count. Mm-hmm. Um, Radisson had the sleep number. Uh, Hilton had a, a suite, um, rolled out its sweet dreams. I love how they all have these very, like, catchy names, catchy names for, yeah. you know, just like a bedding upgrade. Um, but they had executive linen sheets with down comforters so you get the idea plush top mattresses so these hotel chains all are these competing. it just starts this ripple effect and suddenly across the board um all these hotel chains yeah they're they're competing um really you know it kind of sets a new standard mm-hmm. in a lot of ways um and then and then it sort of seems to usually in these wars kind of climax with some sort of just outrageous you know somebody just like tops everyone Mm -hmm. um in the bed situation it was kind of the vancouver the pan pacific vancouver is installing ten thousand dollar british made hypnos duchess beds i'm assuming you know it's a fairly high-end hotel but people get pushed to their to the limits (laughs) and the so basically, it it just keeps getting more and more expensive until it reaches the point that it's no longer really sustainable for a large company to do. Right. Yeah. And and there's there's a certain point where certain amenities will go out of vogue. Mm-hmm. So the first the first sort of documented hotel amenities war that I came across was it seemed like there was one in in 
67 that's mentioned. There was also one around 1987, so maybe like every 20 years, it, it seemed like there's roughly been mm-hmm. uh, a hotel's amenity war. We're coming up on one. Uh, there may be signs that we're already getting into the next. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's... Have you done any prepping yet? Well, yeah, well, there, we'll get into that. Um, there's a lot here. So, so the initial, the initial original hotel amenities wars in the sixties and and eighties were centered around things that some have gone away, like shower caps, you know, TVs and bathrobes were a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, shoe horns, um, coffee makers were kind of in that original mm-hmm. uh skirmishing um but some of those things have already fallen out of vogue like a shower cap isn't really a shower cap and yeah, a shoe I've horn seen that maybe once aren't super common never seen a shoehorn anymore and so there are things that kind of they come into vogue in some of these competitions and then they mm-hmm. they fall out um i was gonna say does, does the <clears throat> bubble burst yeah and i then, mean it seems like there's kind of new standards that are set, mm-hmm. and but how does it how does it reset? You know what I mean? Like how does it go from, well, they're competing to top each other, right? To we no longer have like if they were competing for, our, you know, who's going to have the best bathrobes? Well, now it's pretty rare to see a bathrobe in a hotel right. room. Yeah, the owners of hotels, some of them are <clears throat> critical of amenities. They're not mm-hmm. like, you know, they understand the costs, obviously. Right. Um, which can get up to $20 a room. Right. Know. This yeah. was in, I think, the 80s hotel war that I saw. Somebody was saying it was like $20 a room mm-hmm. for just the amenities per night. Right. Um, that and, can really stack up. And that you know, that's a significant cost of, you know, what might mm-hmm. be a $100 room. And who, who would eat that in the case of, eat that cost in the case of, a big chain, right? Would that be corporate or would that be on the managerial level? Well, I mean, it goes back to the cu- the customers paying for it. Ultimately, a lot of times they're finding whatever way they can to like slip this cost back to the customer. Right. Um, in some cases, I was seeing uh, people talking about the fact that inflated parking costs is being used in to cover amenities. To cover amenities. Um, so you know, when you're paying thirty bucks a night for parking, that's covering your bamboo floral scented you know three kinds of conditioners right and and so i think the owners of hotels are very they're very conscious of how expectations kind of shift over time um some of them have talked about how like you know soap used to be in an amenity now it's just expected Mm -hmm. um and and there are some movements occasionally to kind of move away from that there's places more recently that have tried installing like soap dispensers and showers and stuff like that instead of providing individual soaps Mm -hmm. um and so every now and then you know a hotel chain will decide well we can save costs here and move towards Mm -hmm. another one that's kind of come and gone is the mini bar um Mm -hmm. mini bar had a huge insurgence and then you know i guess people just kind of the novelty wore off and it actually ended up being impractical because it's just a to keep it people have to in restock every room. it and and then people would cheat the system and drink the vodka and refill it with water and put it back 
right in the mini bar and things like mm-hmm. that but but in general you know it seems like the hotel amenities wars they've kind of they cause excess but they also cause improvements for the hotel guests just overall in in terms of raising the standards mm-hmm. so the net effect is hotel standards go up over time one example of this is that the polyester floral bedspreads that used to be incredibly common mm-hmm. um, were not washed every time. They would only be washed periodically throughout the year. Right. Switching to white duvet covers forced people to wash their uh, right. their yeah. spreads a lot more. And so little things like that can can add quality. Let's talk about some just weird amenities that hotels have come up with over the years because there's mm-hmm. some oddball ones mm-hmm. i found quite a few lists and uh there was there's a lot of good ones uh, uh hilton in albuquerque w- provided at one point a cowboy hat and a bandana for guests to every room mm-hmm. um, wow one in san francisco provided dictionaries <laughs> i guess like maybe dictionaries you know, I guess like maybe full... right in there besides the beside the Gideon Bible, just mm-hmm. have a little dictionary. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, ex- exercise bikes have, are one that I've I've heard in rooms several times. Yeah, in rooms. Um, hmm. uh, the Ritz Carlton in Atlanta at one point had disposable swimsuits. That's one that I think <laughs> actually actually makes some sense if you're you know at a place by a beach or you know where people might be stopping uh-huh. over, not have a swimsuit packed, but a Hilton in Abu Dhabi provided a free briefcase, kimono, and travel bag to guests at one point. Um, oh, Abu Dhabi. A Hyatt in Washington. This is obviously in the, the 87 bout of mm-hmm. combat. Uh, provided videotape recorders. Um, when you say videotape recorders, you mean... Uh... A VCR. That uh, could record video no, tape. like a um, like a camcorder. Oh, that people could use to re- borrow from the room to record their own home movies. What's to prevent people from stealing the camcorder? That's a good question. It's <laughs> a good question. Uh, I guess they just have your information on file. That might be. That might be why uh, <laughs> it didn't last. <laughs> um, another hotel in San Francisco had wax. In the room that you could use to seal letters uh, with the hotel seal. That's kind of nice, actually. Um, the Anderson House in Wabasha, Minnesota, had eight cats available in the hotel uh, that you could choose from and have visit your room and stay with you. So hopefully, what if they were all booked? Well, I guess you're. you're what if no you're a regular visitor you? and you have a regular cat yeah. and your cat is booked? Yeah. That could lead to a lot of that potential. Could, I could happy. see, I could see there being some conflict there. Or what if you were allergic? Yeah, I guess that you would have to designate rooms. You'd probably have designated cat rooms. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, the kicker of all these, and my favorite one, is the Stanhope in New York, that had f- over four thousand two hundred classic eighteenth and nineteenth century rare books. Many of them, first edition or other you know, rare, expensive books Mm -hmm. and that people could 
have in their room. They had kind of an on, they had a few sprinkled throughout the rooms and sort of an on-site library, Mm -hmm. but they encouraged people to take the books with them if they weren't, if they didn't finish them during their stay. Hmm. Um, And they actually gained books uh, over the course of this program. People would take them and read them and bring them back. Mm -hmm. And some people even left books, rare classics that they just added to the collection. So number one, clearly not your average hotel. Right. Uh, Yes. Obviously appealing to a, a different clientele. And number two... If it was successful in gaining books for the system, why was it discontinued, or is it discontinued? I think that may have been in the in the one of the articles I read from the '90s. Gotcha. So I didn't look up if they continue that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a fascinating system. I've often wondered why you wouldn't put more literature right. in a hotel. You could easily do that, not with rare. Yeah, books are pretty 18th, easy and inexpensive to come books. by. And you could just have a, you know, rotating hotel library. Mm-hmm. And, most and people... I'm sure there's there's even authors that would pay for the exposure right. to have it really, their book. I think a lot of it, it comes down to what hotels we're talking about. Because there's a big range here. Mm-hmm. There's your roadside inn to mm-hmm. your, you know, one $200 a night place somewhere mm-hmm. that's decent Mm -hmm. to all the way up to you know somewhere like the stanhope in new york which is probably you know four or five star hotel and you know exclusive ritzy yeah um and i feel like the kind of thing you can pull off in a hotel like that is definitely much different from what you can pull off in lower end hotels but if i'm staying at the courtyard inn right there's no reason why i can't have a james patterson novel Right. James Patterson's latest novel. That's true. In my drawer. Right. Next to the Gideon's Bible. But a, a lot of, but it would be much more prone to just people taking them and not. Right. A lot of why the, a lot of why certain amenities have diminished on the lower end of mm-hmm. hotels is for that reason. People lot, always take yeah, them. Yeah, like shoehorns would just get stolen. Right. And so eventually they just go, okay, we're not going right. to have shoehorns anymore because it doesn't make sense to prosecute someone right for stealing a shoehorn right versus but that costs, stealing a video camera but that cost adds up over time right um when you have a lot of rooms right with a lot of shoehorns interestingly because i wondered about this while i was reading a hotel owners very much encourage and want you to take the little soaps and things with you why is that um because they don't really have any use for them otherwise um so it's, if I if I leave my soap behind, it just gets thrown away, or do they reuse it? I mean, presumably a bar soap, you would have no choice but to throw away. Right. But an unopened container of conditioner. I don't know if they reuse the unopened ca- containers of conditioners, but I do know that it is a bit of an environmental issue that some places have tried to um, address. There is a hotel, or there's a... Um, an organization in New Zealand that collects unused soaps and amenities from hotels and recycles them and gives them gives the soap to charities. Hmm. Um, but that's not happening in most places, right? Uh, and apparently, seventy three percent of guests leave with their 
their bathroom amenities. Travelers combined throw out 5 million bars of used soap a day. So uh, That's a lot of soap. Yeah, that, that is quite a bit of soap. <clears throat> One thing we haven't talked about yet is uh, towels. Yeah, towels. I didn't run across towels too much um, besides just the general trend of them starting out as not an amenity. You know, mm -hmm. if you go far back enough, they weren't there. They were introduced, you know, started out with maybe having two towels or something. The amount of towels builds up and now it's gone back down. Mm -hmm. um, but towels yeah. have stuck because... yeah. It's one well, of those things that most people just expect. At this yeah, point. and I feel like towels, though, are one of the most commonly stolen items from a hotel. Right, yeah. Like that's something that you're not supposed to take with you. Yes. But a large number of people yeah. it is, take them. It is funny that there's kind of this... Either by accident or on purpose. There's if this, you're at the beach, right. you need a towel to take yeah. with you down to the beach right. if you didn't pack any towels. Yeah. And you can accidentally put it in a suitcase or on purpose put it in a suitcase right. and it's very easy to walk away with. It is funny that there's this kind of unspoken division between like all these other amenities which you're not supposed to steal or take with you mm -hmm. and just like, oh, soap, take that with you. That's fine. But like right. nobody's laying out those rules anywhere. It's yeah. just assumed that stealing a towel, shame on you. Right. Please take the soap. Right. Um, but if you took a light bulb... Right. That like a light bulb is something disposable. Right. But if you took it. Yeah. People would understand. I mean, you shouldn't take a towel, but most people would understand yeah. it as an accident if you did. Right. Uh, but yeah, a light bulb, that would be a little. Well, some people do think of it as an amenity that they can just take, though. Right. Right. It, because well, they're paying I, for I the room. I don't understand those people. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, one, of these, one of these hotel owners said that he thinks, he thinks in fact, any amenity... A lot of amenities are like insulting wall mounted like wall mounted hair dryers mm -hmm. he thinks are just an, a disaster and he said any amenity that has to be mounted or attached to something is a failed amenity um, mm. so i guess in his mind the idea of theft prevention means you just should just not have that thing or <laughs> you know deal with the or deal with the theft as a you know just a built-in yeah. cost interesting yeah it seems like a lot of the recent patterns in amenity reduction just have to do with trying to be more environmentally responsible yeah uh, like a reduction in the amount of turndown service a mm -hmm. lot of hotels are moving to not making up your room while you're staying there unless you ask for it um mm -hmm. you know not replacing your towels unless you you ask for that that sort of thing right. um which makes a lot of sense to yeah me. The toothpaste thing, there is kind of a funny, um, a funny inquiry that was made to the AAA uh, hotel rating agency, and they were kind of trying to find out why toothpaste is not an amenity because it mm -hmm. seems like one of the most intuitive of all these ridiculous amenities that have been mm -hmm. used over the years. Why not toothpaste? Right. Um, and a lot of the hotels just kind of deflect and are like, well, it's not something guests expect. Uh, you know, we're not rated poorly because we don't have toothpaste. Um, and so someone inquired to the AAA rating agency and asked them, what, you know, why toothpaste isn't an expected amenity. Mm -hmm. And they said that it's because, well, it's not something that hotels usually put out. 
<laughs> so so apparently there's a little bit of circular uh right reasoning where these right. there's just these standards and norms that evolve because just because well that's what hotels do and then that becomes the standard by which hotels are measured mm-hmm. and then hotels do things based on the standard mm-hmm. um, and there's this evolution over time and a natural selection of yeah. hotel amenities <laughs> between what lasts and and what doesn't yeah that's fascinating it's it's similar i guess to a lot of other businesses where i, I don't know you're just expected to tip your waiter or waitress right or you like expect them to grate the cheese for you yeah even though they may not do any other task related to your meal for you right. yeah you know they, they don't salt or pepper it usually yeah. for you but there's this unspoken there's this, this unspoken code of how we do things that's really interesting well hotel amenities wars seem to coordinate with hotel um, prices and they're at a record high right now so be on the lookout for the next hotel amenities war standing um, by i i read what i think may be signs of it breaking out <laughs> and this is probably the most ridiculous hotel amenity i've i, I encountered in all this research and all, so i'll end on this uh, but there was reports of a few hotels in certain locales providing locals as an amenity so what they were doing is they were paying for local people to hang around the hotel and i guess fraternize (laughs) with guests Uh and just like be there and maybe like you know have so they have the guests have people to bump into who are like oh yeah i know where you know yeah. Tony's ice cream is. It's just down the road. That's a good place. How do you, are these <clears throat> are these designated locals? Do they wear some sort of costume or badges or how would you know no, that they someone's just, a local and it, not a guest? It seems like they just basically pay them or provide free services. So like you can eat for free at the hotel restaurant or use the ah, gym or whatever because you're a designated because local. Because you're a designated local. But how do the patrons know who's a local they don't it's just trying to build an ambiance and a and a right. uh you know because i would love to have a local at right. my hotel that yeah. i could ask where the greatest you know well that's i i think generally that's the role of the concierge <laughs> 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 but uh yeah no it's totally like an in it's not like a i'm a local name tag you know walking around ready to serve right, right. it's it's totally an informal like the hotels are just trying to. Like, they just want to create a local, create atmosphere. A, an atmosphere by having certain people there, and so they're incentivizing or paying locals. It's very to, interesting to be at the hotel or hang around. It's very interesting. Yeah, at that point, you're talking about like commodifying a culture. Yeah, yeah, which is something that the Irish have done exceptionally well. Yeah, <laughs> with so their culture. We'll see. We'll see what uh, what yeah. hotel amenities break out in the next in the next hotel. That's very exciting. Work. I. Uh, I hope I'll be traveling a lot yeah. in the near future so that I can keep tabs on all that. I have a prediction. I don't think it'll become widespread, nor will it catch on, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a prediction. I think there will be at least one or two hotels that have uh, virtual reality experiences mm. as um, amenities. Interesting. Before virtual reality is a thing. I'm sure in 50 years when virtual reality is everywhere, it'll be as normal <laughs> as a TV to have virtual reality in your in your hotel in room. your hotel room mm-hmm. but at some point in the next few years i imagine somebody if it hasn't already been thought up if you're a hotel owner send me my check if you're using this as an idea 
but that just se- pending. that just seems like one of those kooky ideas, like cats or a cowboy hat and a bandana, that right. somebody's gonna go. Oh yeah, that that'll somebody would think it's a good idea, right? Yeah. Hotel amenities fall into the spectrum, which is there's two there's two goals with them. Mm-hmm. You're either tr- just trying to fulfill the minimum expectation, or you're trying to impress your guests. So mm-hmm. you're trying to make your guests feel like they're at home because they have something they just would have at home mm-hmm. or you're trying to make them feel special because they have something that's luxurious that they wouldn't have otherwise right so right. there's this kind of two so two things like coin combs right uh and toothpaste are kind of in that nether world right where it's neither your guest might not feel at home with a comb or toothpaste that is not his own right most people but, aren't going to go oh what a luxury this place has toothpaste right it's uh, not. It's in neither world. Yeah, but the toothpaste one does confound me because it, it does seem like <laughs> of all the things of all these well, things you can forget, toothpaste is pretty disastrous. Toothpaste, I think toothpaste is probably one of the most forgotten yeah items. But as I was just saying, I wouldn't like to switch brands of toothpaste right, as yeah. easily as I would switch brands of soap. Yeah, that's true. Or, Maybe it's a more personal thing. Yeah, because taste comes into play. Yeah. So it's more personalized. Well, should we move on and hit up the uh, random Wikipedia? This is the portion of the program where we click the random button on Wikipedia and see what happens. Usually, it's great. That's that's a little... Uh... That was a bit optimistic. Yeah. Oh, hey, we got a theme here between, between the last episode and this episode. No, really? Oh my uh, but wasn't the last one some the African Baptist Church? It was uh, in West Virginia. Now we have Johann Bap- Baptist. Perhaps that's just his name. He's not actually a Baptist. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Still or maybe a, both. Still a theme. Johann Baptist George Neruda. That's, uh, it's possibly not pronounced that way. But yeah, I'm probably butchering the name. Uh, but well, look at how it's spelled in Czech. Johann Baptist. George Neruda. Uh, circa 1708 to 1780 was a classical Czech composer. Uh-huh. Uh, and that would be a composer, a music composer from the country of Czechoslovakia, not someone who simply wrote. Uh, Composed Czechs. Czechs. Yes. Yeah. For caching. Uh, relative to other composers to the classical music era, Neruda Neruda is little known. Uh, his dates of birth and death are only approximations. Oh man! He was born in Bohemia mm-hmm. to a well-respected musical family. After spending earlier years gaining a good reputation as a violinist and conductor in Prague and Germany. Dude, he wrote 18 symphonies. Wow. 14 instrumental concertos. I wonder if we can hear any. Yeah, let's let's listen to some samples. Uh, let's see. Apparently his trumpet concerto in E flat. <laughs> Thank you. 
Fascinating. Well, there we go. That was a good one. That was a good one. Well, Ben, what else should we tell these people? Tell your friends about this podcast. If you have any friends you think might enjoy this, I'm assuming it's zero, but on the off Or chance. if you have friends. Yeah. Or if you, well, that's what I was saying. I'm assuming yeah, you, yeah, yeah. they don't If have you're listening friends. to this podcast, it's possible that we're your only friends, <laughs> and we're okay with that, <laughs> just as long as you don't know where we live. You can become our friend by sending us an email. Yeah, at uh, what's the email? Obscuragami at gmail.com. Right. Um, go to the website, obscuragami.com. Subscribe. It's a good one. Listen to other episodes. Read the show notes. I that, like our, our website. That Ben uh, so graciously writes for us creatively each, each time. How I don't does, really want to take credit for them. How does he do it? <laughs> oh, you, you, don't want, you don't want that to be known? No, I think that should be a mystery. Well, it isn't anymore. <laughs> this is how this is how the work breaks down. Ben writes the show notes. Matthew Flight does the artwork. We mm-hmm. both record, and I edit. Yeah, the we podcast. haven't talked about Matthew Flight much. Not on, on the, the show. Pro- on the program, he's yeah. always mentioned in the show notes. Well, um, to all our listeners out there on this uh, snowy uh, Christmas Christmas evening, thank you for joining us for our Christmas another Christmas special here at Obscuragami. Um, go spend some time with your family uh, mm-hmm. by the in fire, honor of this holiday by the fireplace, um, and and sip a cup of hot cocoa, hot cocoa, play an episode or two of Obscurigami for them, snuggle up under the blanket, play some checkers, and enjoy the holiday cheer. <laughs> you don't play checkers under a blanket. That's that's a good point.